on this episode of Twisted and Misunderstood. On this episode, join myself, Dominic J. Zenden, and Alison Zenden talking about perception. How do you see your own personal perception? And which of the five senses does perception not affect? On today's episode of the Twisted and Misunderstood podcast, I'm with Alison Zenden, and Alison's going to talk and we're going to discuss a little bit about perception. Now, this is a very interesting subject, and I think you're going to be very interested in how this comes across. So without further ado, here's Alison and talking to us about a little bit about how she sees perception. Alison. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, perception. Perception gives us insight into what we believe to be our truth, our own truth. We create basically our own experience. There's five stages of perception. The first one being stimulation, then organisation, interpretation, memory and recall. So perception basically has a profound effect on communication and can be interpreted differently by different people. Sometimes perception can be, you know, it can be distorted if we listen to others and their own beliefs. So it's very important we make our own ideas up, Don. Yeah, really uh, is. Okay, so perception is really what people tell us and what they think to be their truth rather than the truth. So our perception of something is vital when we come to understanding our belief structures, the things that we hold dear to us as as people. And if I would add into that, our values. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah, values, very, very important. Yeah, Dom. Yeah. I mean, obviously, perception of time as well comes into this because... Body temperature, if we're stressed, can affect our perception of time. And then things do become distorted as well. So that's something we need to consider too. 
so so the, the the time and the actual things that we do are are a little bit warped by what we think that could be happening rather than what is actually happening oh definitely definitely um situations like if if two people have got an appointment at a certain time certain place and they have to arrive there separately especially as, as adults they both they both arrive they're both they're both stressed because they think oh my goodness i don't want to be late here but actually they're on time so again i mean i don't know if you agree with this but again body clock could come into this as well that that could be something to to do with this yeah it, it really could but it, there's an easy way for people to test their own perception i would say to you get a clock close you know set a time that you want to try and figure out and see if you can figure out for yourself how long two minutes is with your eyes closed so you're not looking at a clock, you're not looking at anything, you've got your eyes closed, you've got a clock there so you can guide yourself at the end of it and open your eyes when you think two minutes has elapsed. That, that can be quite uh, quite a long time, actually, can't it? It, it can, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a long time to sit there doing nothing and you'll be amazed the amount of people that really don't get how long two minutes actually is. Because yeah. we all have a different perception of how long that time would be. Yeah, definitely. Because if we're around familiar circumstances, it can slow us down. But if we're in a place where we're a little bit stressed, like I said before, um, we, we can sort of, again, stretch the time out in, a, in our own way. Okay. Yeah. So how does that work, Alison? Because if you're thinking about it, if we're doing something we really love, we always say time flies, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that would be a familiar thing, wouldn't it? So that would mean that time would go a lot faster when we're enjoying ourselves. When when we get caught up with someone that's really quite boring or yeah. a difficult situation or, you know, you know that situation, you're going around the shops and you get stopped by somebody that you haven't seen for ages and they just want to talk to you. And all you can do is, all you want to do is get away. <laughs> but you want to be yes. polite enough to stand there. And you might have only been standing there for 30 seconds, but it was seeming eternity. Yes. So so time is not a constant, is it? No, it's not. Abs absolutely not. No, I totally agree. I'm sure lots of other people have been in those situations. If you're really enjoying things you're doing, there's not enough time in the day. You know, you want it to continue, but absolutely it slows down if things are, oh, you, you're being dragged along by something. Yeah, and you're not enjoying it. Enjoyment is very important. So so the whole of the, the way that we perceive the world around us is relevant to ourselves. It's not how I see it, it's how you see it, it's how we see it individually. And that's how we know time isn't real. Because if time isn't real, we all have a different perception of how long it takes to do something, or even how our bodies interprets the time that we have. 
to do the things that we do. Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, obviously, like on aeroplane or, or flights or trying to travel, of course, we, we sit on an aeroplane, that can drag. You, you know, if you've, if you've been on a flight for hours and hours, oh, it's, it's, it's awful. But you get to the other side of the world, it's a completely different time. But you're in your own time zone, aren't you, inside of you? It, so. may, be, it may be your own time zone, but there is time zones that change across the world. If you fly across Australia, you get three time zones. Fly across America, I think there's six time zones. Fly across Russia, I think there's seven time zones. So time is not a constant. Again, it, it's lots of examples. Yeah, the new, the new Year celebrations take place a lot sooner in Australia than what they do in Great Britain. And again, they take place a lot sooner in Great Britain to what they do in America. So we're always running behind or in front of somebody. So what we're doing right now isn't what somebody else is doing. So the world is on different time zones and that only works because we each have our own body clocks. Yeah, yeah, our own body clock. I think we have to go with that as well to a certain degree. Unless, of course, we are forced to actually, when I said a minute ago about appointments, we have to be there at a certain time. And we're not in control of that, are we? We're not. So moving on a little bit, what about perception of language and the way that we see language and the way that we use language? Um, I'm very interested in some of the words that we have that are actually on one area. So, for instance, you know, words like psychic. Words like angels, they seem to change around and tend to move about a little bit because of the way that they are and the way that the things are. So from what I could actually see, there was six different words for angels or six different meanings behind the words for angels. And there was probably a fair few meanings of the word psychic that meant different things to different people. And those whole areas of the, the way that we perceive language and words means something totally different. So how we write things down and how we actually think about different things can be very stressful sometimes. So we try to read them out in a way where they really fit with us. So how many words for angels or how many meanings behind the word angel do we know, Alison? There's five meanings for angels. Angels, obviously, what most people know, which is a spiritual being, a messenger, you know, perceived to be uh, as the spirit being with wings, which is actually a Hebrew word. Then there's angel, which is if you're, you've got exemplary conduct or, or virtue in human form. Then there's also another angel, which is the guardian of human beings, protects us. Like if we, again, are driving along and we, we ask our angels to, to be there and, and to guide us. And then there's also another angel, which is a kind and loving person who's sort of pure and, and selfless. We say, oh, my goodness, you know, what an angel that person is. And then there's also an angel where you could be sort of like a financial backer of an enterprise or, or, or campaign. So, so when we, we talk about an angel, we could be talking about five different meanings. Yes, five uh, different meanings. And yeah. that perception of that word has to fit in with the text. 
Yes. So it's very important that we use these words to mean what we want them to mean and explain what they mean on top of that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What about psychic? That's that's a, another really interesting word that has quite a few different connotations. Yeah. Psychic. Yeah. About four for, for psychic. It relates to psychic power, which obviously involves telepathy, clairvoyance, you know, the supernatural side of things, the mysterious side of perception. Or there's the self-proclaimed psychic, which... Again, you know, we've all been to the end of the pier, haven't we? And we've all had our palms red and our fortunes red and stuff like that. Then there's the psychic, which lays basically outside the sphere of physical science or, or knowledge, which is sensitive to psychic influence or, or forces and things like that. And then there's also the psychic healer who perceives to have extraordinary mental powers and heal by the mind only and, and by intent as well. Yeah, so is psychic a bit of a made-up word? Is it a bit of a nonsense word? Is it a word that can fit many meanings but not really have too much gravitas within it? Yeah, I think a lot of people say, oh, yes, I'm psychic, or, again, maybe intuitive. A lot of people say, no, I'm, I'm intuitive rather than psychic. But then, again, I think intuitiveness comes from within, doesn't it? Intuitiveness, we all have that feeling of when something's going to happen or we know or we feel that something could happen in the future to us as well. So our perception of tuning into ourselves may not even be psychic. It may just be a repeating situation that we get so used to that it becomes familiar. And when we perceive something happening within us, we can then relay it by using the word, I'm a psychic, or as a psychic experience. Yeah, it covers all variety of, of situations, really. So so, so within the, the whole psychic words and talking, the perception of them can be very, very short. And that actually puts in very little meaning, because if you want to go and see a psychic, you surely want to be in a place where you're defined what you're going to get from that person. Oh, yeah, definitely. You want information. You want their knowledge. They are somebody yeah, that... But, but more than that, Alison, it's, it's about being able to find out what they're offering. Because if they say, I'm a psychic, and then you get there, and they start turning over tarot cards, that's not being really, that's just reading cards. So the term psychic may cover certain things, but are you a medium? Are you an intuitive? Are you a tarot reader? Are you somebody that can talk to me about my past lives? Are you somebody that has an ability to see the future? Are you, a, you know, somebody that can make predictions for me? Yeah, those things need to be covered. And the word psychic seems to cover all those words, all those sentences, without really meaning too much. Yeah, no, this, this is exactly what it is as, as well. Um, I mean, obviously, again, I think it relates more to psychic powers than anything, because I think there's, there's telepathy, there's clairvoyance as well. So most people tend to want, I, I believe, clairvoyance. I think that's something that okay. people okay. really enjoy. Okay, the, the, the whole part of perception 
is how we think or what we believe we're going to get. That's why the advertising people are very good at showing us a perception of a holiday where there's no people, when they're advertising it. If you look at um, a lot of the holiday adverts that are very constant at the moment, they show us settings where the holidays are, are being taken, but there's no people there. The, the people are on their own. They, they, show, they don't show great big crowds. And when you get to a, a holiday hotel, you know, it's yes. full, it's packed full of, you know, children playing and, and shouting at the top of their voices and everyone's crowded in around the pool. But you never see that on an advert, right? <laughs> All you yeah. see on the advert is the empty pool with the one person jumping in and out. And so our perception of that holiday is going to be, we're going to be on our own. That's great. What a fantastic place to go. But the reality is that we're not on our own, is that there's loads and loads and loads of people within it, but they're not actually what they show them to be. So yeah. perception plays a big part. What about our senses, Alison? Tell us this bit about what our senses and, and what perception is to our senses. Yeah, well, we identify a lot of perception through our senses. There's actually vision, which what you were just saying, obviously, about looking at holidays and what's going on there. Um, taste as well and smell and hearing. So there's four types of senses and we use them all to identify what we're actually wanting to believe. And I, I think, again, a lot of people would be going into a cake shop, for example, and you see a beautiful cake all nicely decorated and you think, oh, wow, that looks lovely. I've got to have that cake. And as soon as you take a bite into it, it's foul. It's absolutely bitter. It's not what you thought it would be. So that's one side as well. Again, the smell side, you could smell lovely baked cakes and things like that. I'm sure you can all remember when you were younger and you used to go to your grandma's and you used to smell nice cakes and bread. And then again, probably a lot of the time with your memory and everything. Yeah, fantastic. It's great. But it might not be quite the same because it could be a little bit burnt as well. Okay. Okay. So we have a, a memory for perception. We remember something by the way it tastes, the way it looks, the way it smells, the way that we see it. But there's one sense that we do never use when it comes to perception. So tell us what that one sense is, Alison. That one sense is touch. Because if we touch things, predominantly, they never change. If you pick up something that's very, very prickly, like if you pick up one of those nuts that's encased in one of those little prickly cases, that's always going to be like that. Even if you look at it, you can think, hmm, yeah, that is prickly. I'm not, not going to touch that. Or if something's very smooth, again, it stays smooth. So that's something that doesn't come into the other four senses. Yes. Now, that to me is fascinating because I believe in past lives, future lives, that our lives are all running consecutively together. And we're going to experience the same things in each lifetime. So we might have experienced the smell of baking bread back in the 17th century, because bread would have been a constant throughout many, many lifetimes. But the one thing that we can rely on and knowing is that if it's stored in our soul memory, then the touch of things never changes. No. 
No, it never it never changes. And that is something, I mean, obviously, touch, we all like to touch. We can really get close to things when we touch. But again, perceiving things through touch, no, apparently not. No. no. So so we can use our, our four senses when it comes to perception. We can use them to work with us because if you think about spirit, if you can actually use four of your five senses to open up your sixth sense, then that's amazing. Your fifth sense, which is touch, is used in psychometry, which is holding objects that hold memories or hold thoughts or hold little images and pictures. So you can use touch in psychometry, in psychometry which opens up that as a perception. But in our normal life, we never, ever use that. So in part two, we're going to talk further about perception and how it affects our daily lives. I'm sure you all agree that perception is a fascinating subject. Stay tuned for part two, when we'll go into more details about how we perceive the world around us. If you're enjoying the podcast, come back. There's a new podcast most weeks here on Twisted and Misunderstood. You may like to go and have a look at our books. There's seven published books on Amazon that um, you can go and buy. They're all they're all self-published, but they're all fabulous books. Um, Angels on Our Side and A Rainbow of Angels, both co-written by myself and Alison. If you want to get in touch with the show, come on and actually look us up on mindsight.org, which is my website with all the details of everything we do here at Twisted and Misunderstood. Or you can email me uh, or a profiling at gmail.com or (laughs) you can actually come and send me a voice message here on anchor you have to listen to the podcast on anchor go to the home page put my name in press the button and you can leave me a voice message and if it's a good voice message we'll include it in the podcasts so come and tell us what you like about the twisted and misunderstood podcast
Welcome back. And in part two of perception, we're going to talk a little bit more about how perception affects us from our youngest years. So from being born right the way through to older life, our perception of life changes. So when we're first born, we still have our five senses, but they're not as developed as what they would be as we get older. Now, we don't know if babies dream because they can't tell us. But we certainly know that they sense if they're wet or need changing because they cry. That's their way of communicating with us. And we certainly know that they have that memory from past lives because some babies will recall past lives when they start to talk. And most babies start to talk from the age of 9, 10, 11, 12 months. So there's a little window where they can talk about things that they shouldn't really know but they really do know. And that's another interesting subject that we can talk about on a later podcast, how children have a window between the ages of three and five to talk about experiences that haven't quite been wiped out of their, their memory. But at this moment, the perception is, I believe that perception starts for a child as it starts to talk, walk and interact with us. And at that point, we need to be able to understand how that process works for them and work out the best way to help them remember some of the things that are going to help them through life. So, Alison, how do we help children at three, three and a half to to learn through their perception? Yeah, rhyme sensitivity plays a part in recalling rhymes as a person ages from about three a child can actually repeat and repeating is very, very important, especially words that, that are enhanced become the memory of the child, especially as a group of children get together and they repeat rhyme after rhyme. So that's really, really important as well, because holding on to repetitive words is their perception as a child looks back on the songs and Again, they, they are perceived differently from one person to another, but majority, they like the, the song, they like the actual music. So they're all interacting and they all have the same enjoyment. So the audience that's listening, if you remember back when you were a child and that how you were very much taught things like nursery rhymes, you were taught words that you could remember and relate to, your perception of your younger life is through the repetitive nature of it rather than anything else. It's not through being able to store the memories. It's being able to have those experiences as well-trodden tracks through your mind. So a nursery rhyme sticks. A little rhyming couplet will stick. Things that you have that perception of actually start to pull into your words how people react to your words how you see something and how you feel something now we can relate that to a psychic developing so if you've got what i think is you know people call them indigo children a child that is very perceptive very if you want to use the word psychic within their ability to sense and see and feel if you recognize that as a parent in your child, then you can teach them how to remember nursery rhymes, how to recall certain things. But without giving them any 
triggers or any help, you can bring out what they want to say just by their reaction. So if they have a memory that they want to recall of a previous lifetime and their perception is that it's just a normal thing to have because we're not really taught much until our memory starts to grow and then our parents' prejudices and our parents' likes and dislikes come into our thinking. But while we're still that real blank sheet of paper, we've got a chance to relay information without having anything tainted. So as a child, a young child, it's very important to be able to give your children that that instruction from a young age because it helps them talk about experiences and it may shock you but you you may have to be very unconditional when you listen to a child because how they recall the world around them is how they perceive the world not how you perceive the world now that's a very important factor isn't it oh yeah totally and i think if things are visual as well for children as well as they hear things it's very important so for example like uh, we've all heard probably bar bar black sheep have you any wool if you have a little picture of a of a, of a lamb or or a you know a sheep they use they really do concentrate on that and they can actually really visualize it and then they can hear it and then that comes to visualization with vision boards and things like that because vision boards are very visual and everyone can use a vision board and I think that can play a part in anybody's life regardless of the age and and, and again you know as you as you start at three years old you can use that so tell us what a vision board is right because in America I think these boards are called dream boards in, in the UK they're called vision boards so what does a dream board or a vision board consist of, Alison? Well, a vision board or dream board is you, you, you get yourself a, a board, basically one of those sort of cork boards that you can buy, you can stick pictures on. And it doesn't matter how you do it. You just put visual pictures on that board related to things that you want to remember or part of your life. So as a, as a child, probably you would put nice little pictures that they can relate to, like I just said, animals or, you know, tractors for a boy or doll for a you know, for, for, for a girl. But as you get older, you can put things on what your dreams are, what your hopes are, what your aims are. Like if you want to pass your exams, you put either the word exam, or you can have a picture of a classroom with children sitting at a desk. And then again, as you get older, maybe an office block. So you build up as you go forward in life. So it's about putting pictures on your board associated with who you are at that time. Okay, not just pictures, but words. If you want to be successful, you put success up because how we think is how we actually react. And if the first words are in our head, we can do something, then we will do it. And that's what a vision board or a dream board is about. It's about making those words very familiar with us. So we don't use the, the negative, difficult words to actually express what we're thinking or feeling. We use positive words like we can do something or this is a positive experience or we want to go forward in a right way, in a positive way, or even smile or laughter. You know, things that we want to incorporate into our lives that 
will stay with us through adulthood and into our lives as, as human beings in a productive way. We want to keep it very positive. So our perception of using the right words matters because our parents may not be using those right words. They may be very difficult or down or dowdy people. You know, how many parents tend to chastise their children quite a lot of the time and tell them they can't do stuff? You know, that's a yes. that's a record that comes in and starts to to really come out and stick with with a child. So to actually be proactive and positive with a child and show them that there are some really strong positive words that they can enhance and have in their mind as the right perceptions are going to be an important part of their their learning process. And then their positivities as adults. Yeah. I totally agree on that. Yeah, I mean, I've got a vision board. I'm sure you have, Dom, as well. And I think that everybody should should have one because I think it's something that, again, you can get out at any time of the day. You can look at what you've put on the board. You can say the words. I mean, Dom's absolutely correct. The words, you know, success. I will do this. I can do it. And that's so important that you say the right words. And I love and approve of myself. That's something you can put on the board as well. So important that you do that. Yeah. So self-love, self affirmations all the things that are positive within us the perception of how we see ourselves matters by how we think about ourselves now if i'm right alice and that doesn't change from the time we start to walk to the time we actually say our last words no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, as you get older, obviously, our perception does change sometimes as, you know, as, as new knowledge comes in. We know a lot more, of course, absolutely, because time and everything can slow down sometimes or, or speed up according to what we're doing. So obviously, as we get older, we are going to get more going on in our lives. But if that's the case we can still understand that perception is an individual situation, that things will happen because time isn't a constant. Time is just something we order our life by. And if time isn't a constant, and it's going to be proved that it's not by things, that we, we fly through time zones. If something happens that is like a, an accident, everything slows down for us so we can take in what's going on and we go, We've got more to react to. So the things that the human body does, it actually allows us to adapt to our situation. And sometimes we don't even realize that time is going by so fast or time is going by so slow because the body will take us into where it wants us to be. So our perception of how we use language how we use words, how we use smells, how we use visions is very important to the life that we actually lead. And what you might see in one way, I would see in a different way. How you might react is different to how I may react. It's all because we've been brought up with different people that have different perceptions. Yeah, that, that is totally true. I mean, we all come from different walks of life. Even though we are the same people, we do the same things predominantly every day. You know, we, we, we all sort of, we all eat, don't we? We all sleep, but it's all at different times. Yeah, and, and this is the thing about life, is we all have our own likes and dislikes. 
we all have our own prejudices towards certain words or towards certain things in our life. So every one of us is a unique individual. If we develop spiritually, the things that we really matters to us is how we perceive things like time, how we understand time, and how we actually use the thoughts that we have coming in to, to give that information because we're perceiving that all our thoughts come from us when there's a possibility that our thoughts come from outside of us. And recognizing those thoughts that come from outside is a key area so we can develop and expand our knowledge and then become even better people because of that. The understanding we have of perception only goes to either enhance our lives or distract from our lives. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I totally agree on that. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so until next time when we come and talk, I'm going to say thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this little chat on perception. From me, Dominic J. Zenden, and from... Alison Zenden, thank you. And until we see and hear and talk to you next time, thank you for listening. That is perception. Thank you, Alison, for your input and your knowledge on such an interesting subject. I never knew so much I've learned today from listening to this. In the meantime, all music is produced and brought to the show by Mal West Matt Walters. She's a music teacher that lives in England. If you want to learn an instrument, buy your own jingles or even learn to sing. Mel's your lady. Get in touch with her at Mel West MacWaters at SoundCloud. That's her address. Enjoy talking with Mel. She's an amazing lady, does some fantastic work. Until next time, when we're back at Twisted and Misunderstood, look after each other, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>